Hey everybody, Russell Westcott here. Before we play the theme music, I want to just jump on in here and just give you a little bit of context before we start today's episode. So I have the great honor and privilege of having conversations with real estate investors from coast to coast on an almost a daily basis. And there's a couple themes that keep coming up in these conversations. Most investors that I have conversations with are looking to grow and scale. And there's this word called more, M-O-R-E. Most investors that I talk to want more, want more out of life, want more real estate investors, want to be able to contribute more, want more impact on their environment, want more impact on their family, want more impact on their communities. So in this upcoming interview series, from feedback from you guys, I'm actually going to do a little bit of a change. So let me know in wherever you're listening to this, where if you want this change to happen or continue. So I have multiple uh, long-form interviews where for the better part of probably two to three years, I've been interviewing some successful real estate investors, and I call it the standing on the shoulders of giants. And what you're going to be listening to over the next few episodes is going to be one of those early interviews that I did with uh, what I would call giants in the real estate industry. Now, what I've done with this, just to give you some context, is I'm going to be breaking them up into smaller bite-sized chunks. They're going to be 20 to 30 minutes, so I'll take a long-form interview and break it up into a 30-minute segment. Now, don't worry, you won't have to wait weeks to get them. They'll be probably delivered to you within, you know, uh, two per week over the course of that. So, with all that being said, this first episode is a wonderful conversation I have with a good friend of mine, Derek Peaver, and I'm going to break it up into three parts. And each one's going to be about a half an hour in length. And for those of you that if you are subscribed and you're getting them, you won't have to wait too long to get all the interviews uh, outcoming. And for those of you that are binge listening, you can just go right to the next one after. And they've been broken up and edited in a, a format that they will 100% make sense. They'll make sense as a standalone episode, and they'll also make sense if you listen to all three of them in a row. So with all that being said, this interview is with Derek Peaver. And we go deep into a lot of the tactical how-tos on how to grow. And I'm not going to give you all the details. We will get fully knee-deep into the weeds here of all the details of this episode. But I sure hope you enjoy it. And let's cue up the theme music. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. I have a brand new interview here to share with you. I had an opportunity to talk with a really good friend, um, someone who's actually an unbelievable inspiration to myself and many people who he comes in contact with. Had a chance to interview Mr. Derek Peaver. Derek Peaver, Mr. Super Sweets himself, he has quietly gone about, changed his entire business, changed himself in the process. He is building himself a little mini empire. So I've been telling uh, many people watching these interviews, there's three types of people that watch these interviews. You're either just getting started, you've maybe have accomplished uh, something, and now you're scaling. One of those three uh, categories where you fall into. Derek uh, shares his story where he got started. He's uh, what he's done right now. So he would be a very accomplished investor and person raising capital. And now he's on the cusp of scaling his business upwards. So I can't wait to share all the ins and outs of this interview. Make sure you watch it right through to the end. We drop value bomb after value bomb and just 
just knowledge after knowledge. We actually dive really headfirst into the how-to. As you know, with one of the missions from the Academy here is to share the story with you, the good, the bad, and the ugly, giving you the complete picture of what's going on when it is around the topic of raising capital. We actually get into a story that Derek, he had some a really dark situation that came through. The knocking on the door was the uh, superintendent of real estate. It's like those mean old securities people, things like that, that we've heard a lot about. So find out how Derek dealt with this. And we dove headfirst and we went deep, you know, as deep as we went into the topic of raising capital. You know, honestly, I think there's probably another three more segments to come out of this presentation as well in this interview. So Derek and I are making a commitment that we're going to deliver some more uh, interviews with you as well. So can't wait for you to dive in. Ladies and gentlemen, Russell Westcott, enjoy this interview and stick around right through to the very end. Hey guys, Russell Westgott here. It's part of the Raising Capital Academy interview series. So I'm here with a good friend of mine. So this is going to be an interview that could turn into three or four episodes because truly when Derek and I were just having a conversation in the parkade, and by the way, you gotta check out the sweet ride this guy is driving now. It wasn't the same ride when we first met. Sure wasn't. It was a beautiful little Tesla Model S down there. Maybe we'll get some shots of it, uh, Derek in there on the way out after the interview here. But anyways, this is gonna be a good friend that you're going to want to get to know. Derek is, um, you know, the, this interview series is talking about raising capital. And it's about sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly. About, uh, I'm, I'm the bad and the ugly, this is the good over here. <laughs> so it's about sharing the story, sharing the full story with people about what's going on and how to raise capital for your real estate business. And it'd be safe to say that Derek has been, you know, probably one of the best students that I've ever come across about what you've done with your portfolio, what you've done with your business, how you're growing it, how you're scaling it, and how you've done it with just honesty, integrity, full transparency, and there's no reason, and that's the reason why all your investors keep coming back for more. So I'm going to shut up here. I got a lot of lists. I got a long list of questions that I'm going to ask of my guest here. But first and foremost, here is a formal introduction with this Derek Peaver with PeaverCon Properties, PeaverCon Group of Companies, PeaverCon Empire, if you will. The empire is being built. So this is Derek Peaver, everyone. Derek, welcome. Thank you so much, Russ. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I don't know. Where do we want to enter the conversation? Why don't we start back? Well, you know, usually at the beginning of interviews, I like to get people to share a little bit about who you are, sure. where you got started, um, maybe share some of your experiences that you've got to this point. And I'm going to interchange. I've got a long list of questions that I want to fire and do some rapid fire with you on this. But we're going to get to the bottom of some really hot buttons in the marketplace right now. So Derek, take it away. Tell everybody out there a little bit about your backstory, where you've come from, and maybe what your portfolio is looking like now. Sure. So again, thank you so much for having me on the show and uh, thrilled to be part of it. Russell's been a huge part of my story and uh, forever grateful for that and uh, teaching me about joint ventures, which really took me to the next level that I'm at today. So thrilled to be here and give back and share anything I can. My name's uh, Derek Peaver again. I'm uh, born here in New Westminster in, in BC. I live in Abbotsford today. And uh, I first heard about Rain and Russ uh, way back in 2006, actually. And Russ is the reason that I actually found out about Rain to start with. I was at a fast track 
to cash flow seminar that Darren Weeks was putting on and he would ask everybody to stand up if you owned 10 properties or more and then he kept raising it and the only people standing at the end was Russ and a few other people. So I, I felt that I should probably check out this rain thing because Darren Weeks mentioned it, that Russ was the uh, vice president, I believe. Well, we're going way back now. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's you know one of the ways that I found rain and then got onto the joint venture secrets. And, and uh, I had done a little bit of investing before I met up with Russ just through learning Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and uh, doing a, a few small um, joint ventures that I didn't even really know were joint ventures at that time in Agassiz. So just started very small with a $65,000 condo in Agassiz and now we're buying condos and townhouses across Canada. Wow, 65,000, that wasn't the down payment. That was no. the actual purchase price. That's right. And uh, so I, Derek, I think you're also being very modest here. Um, give, a, give a sense. So you've started with one property in Agassiz at $65,000 purchase price. Correct. Um, give a, and I know this is one of our pet peeves that we just absolutely hate is how many doors do you own, right? It, but, you know, it is a, it is a valid um, perspective. So maybe just give people a perspective on maybe dollar amount of properties that you, uh, you currently own right now. Sure. Well, a lot of what we're doing right now is pre-sale construction. So if you count the properties that we've basically committed to and removed our subjects on, um, I believe the whole portfolio value is somewhere uh, between 45 and $50 million today. 45 and $50 million. Yeah, market value. Market value. Um, and you had all the money to buy all of these places yourself, right? In your own bank account and, right. and all that kind of stuff? <clears throat> yeah, when I found uh, Rain, I was basically out of money and out of expertise. And I was at that wall at my, I believe, my fifth property where I had used all of my own money, my own lines of credit. And I was looking for how do I continue? So you you've truly have raised capital to buy all these pieces of property? Correct. Actually, right from my very first property, every single property I've ever purchased has been with others, where we combine our capital, our time, our expertise. So as a matter of fact, even my first principal residences were joint ventures as well through strategies that I learned. So you've uh, 45 to 50 million ballpark. Um, so is it safe to say you're 10 to... Well, be more than that. Probably ten to twenty million dollars in capital raise. What which would be a number you think would be best estimate? About that, you know, I, I'm I'm not totally brushed up on on those figures, but we typically put down twenty percent yeah. and budget a good reserve fund and fund the furniture and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So that would be somewhere in the ballpark. How many different investment partners have you worked with? And sorry, that sounds that almost sounds like a dirty question. How many? How many partners have you had over? And we're having a dating show here, if you will. No, how many investment partners have you worked with over over the course of how many years is it now? Is it fifteen? Twelve. Twelve years. Yeah, twelve years that I've been buying real estate, basically yeah. just over, and uh, somewhere probably around sixty or seventy different groups. Um, could be couples or. Right. Uh, groups that we've partnered with. Wow. So, so suffice it to say, if you're watching this video, Derek knows what he's talking about. He is a, a person who, who not only learns the theory, but takes action. And you're actually, some of the stuff you're doing is actually very inspiring to, um, you're taking it the next level. And you've almost been um, a guinea pig uh, 
Thank you, <laughs> on, which we'll get to that story towards the end about how Derek is. Sometimes when you take lots of action and you get lots of um, attention drawn to you, people start taking notice. And sometimes the people who are taking notice are superintendents of real estates and different financial services companies and things like that. And, and we'll get into all of those things. So, so Derek, one of the big things, I talk to investors across the country and the whole concept of fear Mm-hmm. Fear comes out. People are scared to, you know, start the conversation about money. People are fearful about asking other people to invest with them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think back to when you got started, and you, you know, your first couple times, how would you best um, overcome that op- that fear? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there is a, a lot of uh, rejection along the way. So you have to have fairly thick skin, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I always remember your some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. Yeah, right? SW, 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 SW. Yeah. And, you know, listening to the Joint Venture Secret CDs many times, there was a whole disc, I believe, or a good part of it on how to overcome objections and be ready for them in advance. But it's really about, you know, becoming the person that's going to attract the capital, not trying to chase it, which we tried to do for a long time. Um, In the beginning also, you know, I matched our partners' money that they put in and did all the work and got the mortgage uh, for a 25% share where I put in 25% of the money as well. Wow. And then same for the second and third deals, same for the fourth and fifth deals. And then I was out of money and line of credit and qualifying ability. So to get my track record going um, before I started using other people's money, I think is critical. Hmm. So I hope you guys heard that. One of the things that Derek was not afraid to do was put in your own capital, mm-hmm. put in your own time, um, and you only took 25% of the deal, mm-hmm. right? So I, sometimes I tell people, you know, don't ever sell yourself short on the value you add, but there's also, there's nothing better than experience of doing it, mm-hmm. right? Because then you got those first deals under your belt and you got comfortable and you could actually show people, here's the deal I've done, here's a deal I've done, here's a deal I've done. Now it's 50-50, right? right? There's, there's not a right or wrong way. True. Right. Some people will just say, never do anything less than 50%. Well, you know what? Sometimes 25% of, of something is still better than 100% of nothing. Right. So, so absolutely critical point of view. So how do you, how do you have the conversation with people about money? Like when you, you yeah. where do you, you know, let's dive into a little bit of the Derek Peaver secret sauce sure. about that. Yeah, so, you know, you you never want to be, obviously, that guy who everybody dreads showing up at the party who's just going to pitch a deal and and come across as a taker, not a giver. You you really want people to ask you about it. And when people sense your passion about it and hear that you're doing good things and, you know, maybe bought your mama a vehicle with the proceeds of your first three condos that sold, then something that they want to get more involved with. But... We, we usually, you know, we, we practice turning conversations into real estate conversations, yep. like you've got some really cool ones, but, um, you know, you got to do it gently and, and with some, some style, not just trying to, you know, first try to help people and then it'll come back around to you. Don't have an expectation of... Yeah. So, so would you really just say that you're just being yourself yeah. and you love what you do within real estate? Right. And you're not afraid to share with others what you're passionate about. Very true. And all you're doing is you're just telling stories about what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I've had times where, you know, we had so many good deals 
and just could not seem to raise money. And we were really trying hard and, and we were depending on it basically for our income because we had gone full time at that point. And, you know, it's, it's challenging, but a big part of it for me was really just mindset, you know, the whole law of attraction, all that stuff. And I would put signs up in my office that capital is all around me with, with my favorite buildings and word art. And just, you know, there, there was probably seven or eight months where we were trying so hard. It was the best time to buy real estate, 2008. And just nobody was biting. It's kind of, you know, counterintuitive that when it's down and things are on sale, it's the best time to buy and the hardest time to raise money. But when things are frothy and crazy and it might be the worst time to buy, it's the easiest time to raise money. So, but eventually we just kept working at it and somebody gave us a chance. You know, I think it was Carson's, my business partner's aunt who finally said, yeah, let's give it a try. It looks like a good deal. And okay, well, walk me back through that. There's gonna be a lot of, let's put it this way. Let's be honest, most of the people watching this are probably just getting started. Right. Um, we have, there's three groups of people. There's people that are just getting started. There's people that would be accomplished. Maybe they've done three or four. Right. And then there's people that are looking like yourself to scale. Okay. And so let's talk first about the just getting started. What did you talk to Carson's aunt about, about how to get involved? You guys had not probably, you hadn't bought a property yet, had you, or? At this point we had yeah. already done, I think this was our fifth or sixth deal. Okay, okay. And uh, the opportunity actually was, was so good um, that she, I think, felt compelled to do it. It was, a, it was a condo in Mission, a two bedroom, two bath condo that we were able to buy for $150,000 on her secured line of credit. Mm -hmm. We bought it outright. Yep. The plan was to flip it. So we put $15,000 into it. We did all the work. Yep. So we did the tile floors, we did the baseboards, the crown moldings, the paint, all the labor was included as part of what we brought to the table. And um, basically we had it appraised two months later for 200,000 and she was able to get back her whole 150, 75% loan to value, first mortgage, yep. replacing her line of credit. And we were into it just for the cost of renovations, and she got you know a big piece of the ownership. Right. So we tried to for sale by own it, which was an early mistake that a lot yep. of us make, and didn't build in enough margin for a realtor. Couldn't sell it, and just wound up holding it. Yep. And uh, you know years later, refinanced it, got into another deal. But do you still own that place? We do. You do. Okay. Yeah. So you bought it for one fifty. What do you yeah. What do you think it's worth now? Probably around three fifty or something 350, like that so today. So you've made two hundred thousand dollars right. on that place. Um, you've refinanced it how many times? Just once. Just the once. Yeah. Okay. What is that sitting probably a loan to value? Do you figure on it now? Oh, it's probably fairly low, sixty. Sixty thousand. Seventy percent. Uh, oh, loan to value, okay. something like that, sixty or seventy. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're doing, you know, this stuff works. Yeah, because right? we we borrowed against it and bought a condo in Abbotsford with right. the same ownership group. Okay. So, so yeah. Carson's aunt is yeah. still a fifty. She's still an owner in that place. Correct. And did she then be part of the refinance to get into another place? Correct. The same ownership group owns the second one, exact same way. So you now own two places together. Correct. So between probably the two, they're. Seven hundred or eight hundred thousand now in value. Right. Wow. So this stuff works, and it just started with just that one. Right? That's right. And it just asking. Really, if I if I really read into it, it was you had a fantastic deal, mm -hmm. and you had an unbelievable opportunity. Yeah. And you had a process to make it work. Like you guys, this was the first time you'd ever flipped a place. Right. Right. So you yes. made some mistakes. Yes. 
And you had done, um, you had never done one before. No. But she just believed in you. Yeah. And it was family. That's right. And, and most people, guys, if you're just starting, most people are, your family is going to be your first, your first, your first round. Yeah. And, you know, and then some of you are in the stage now is, you know, going past family. So when was, who would have been what you would have considered your first non-family uh, joint venture partner? It, it was probably around deal seven or eight. Yeah. And it was my dad's friend fr- from work. Right. So I, I, w- I always like to say that when I worked at C-SPAN, which is what my grandpa, my dad, my brother all do, and I did for nine years, I, like I was a really hard worker, I like to think, and had a good reputation. And then when I left, you know, between that deal seven to 15, some key investors from C-SPAN, like tugboat captains, guys mm-hmm. with salaries, guys that are very busy, um, you know, with their families and their jobs, but want to invest and have the ability to qualify were some of my key partners to get me through that next hurdle. So you said something very key is, um, so that's what you usually find as you start typically with family. Family then leads into friends of family or people that you know, the second layer of people. Right. You know, I'd call hot, they'd be hot leads would be family. Yeah. The warm leads would be leads that are just friends of family and cold leads would be the general public. Right. You're also into general public raising a capital a little bit right now, right? Yeah, so to date, it's just been friends and family, you yeah. know, falling under the exemptions of yeah. for securities. But going forward, we're setting up a new limited partnership agreement and dealing with an exempt market dealer, Hawkeye Mm -hmm. Wealth Management, who will basically look after the raising of the money for us. Yeah, yeah, and I actually, guys, just for FYI for interviews, I actually have some interviews with some EMDs on on how to work with one, and also how to become one. If if any of you are ever interested in maybe going that route of becoming an EMD and raising capital, whether it's your own ventures or it's another business opportunity, because I think Absolutely. EMDs make five points on the, every dollar they you raise. It. Yeah. But, but you have to go through the process of, do, of learning that. Exactly, yeah. and not only do they make five points, but you can potentially share in the equity and in the ownership as well. Mm-hmm. So he not only makes um, you know, a fee for raising money, but also shares a small percentage of the pie of the properties that we're buying. So it's it's a nice opportunity. And and for you, the reason why you'd want to go down there, so now we're getting into the realm, the deeper end of, of scaling. And the reason why you'd want to do that is because now you're, you're casting a net into a bigger ocean mm-hmm. and you're raising a lot more money and you're tapping into public money, but you're doing it the right way. Correct. Okay. And also simplifying things for us because you know when you have so many partners, tax time becomes very onerous and cumbersome and there's a lot of call, uh, calls to clarify things. And you know your time is probably better spent operating the business, keeping your properties full and focusing on growing the company. Right. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to just back it up a bit. So, so you, you started with one condo in Agassiz. You've parlayed that in. The first joint venture partner you worked with was an aunt of your business partner. The first non-family person was a friend of your dad's, right. of the, of the tug, tugboat captains. Yeah. You're, like, you're like monopolizing all the, uh, all the tugboat guys. You're, making, <laughs> you're retiring them all, if you yeah. will. Um, so what, you know, one of the things I teach people is everybody wants to know where do I find investment partners and Mm -hmm. i I think that's a that's a great question to ask and everybody should be asking is the where but before you ask where you need to decide decide who Mm -hmm. who are your ideal investors so i'm going to ask that to you derek and Mm -hmm. you probably have described it already a little bit but who would be your ideal investment partner yes so our ideal investment partner is typically somebody that's in their 50s to 60s they're very 
successful, busy people. Um, they have soccer practices to go to, baseball, hockey, and they want to start to help replace their employed income so they can retire. So it's typically not just from super suites, it's from mm -hmm. other sources as well. Yeah. But uh, they wanna know that they've got somebody who's got skin in the game in the sense that if we, do, if we don't make money, I don't make money. And if we lose money, I lose money as well. And somebody with integrity that, you know, no money's gonna go missing or, you know, just, I think they just really trust in me. Yeah. And that's, that's why. So, so a couple things, guys. Hope you hope you listen to what Derek was talking about describing his ideal client. He actually the ages. You mm -hmm. even know the types of professions. You know even mm -hmm. the typically the kids' ages. You know some of their challenges, and uh, and and you really then position yourself in front of those people to then have an opportunity to present to them. Mm -hmm. But you find those people because you've actually defined those people first. Yes, you, right. you know who they are. Like if, if they come in and they're, you know, 30 years old and all eager to start their investing career, it might not be the best fit. I encourage them to do it on their own and, and help them out how I can. Yeah, but, but you're, you're just very clear on who you can and who you can't help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, at, at a certain point, I felt the same way that, man, I just don't know anybody with money. Like lucky that these guys come from families with tons of money or have a rich uncle or whatever, mm -hmm. but you know, it's really a mindset and you have to have the mindset that capital is all around you. And it really is like when you start having that type of mindset, it's amazing the people that come out of the woodwork and that maybe have money that you totally think didn't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is, it is a bit of a mindset to just the whole think and grow rich. And, you know, I used auto suggestion and all kinds of stuff just to you know, allow myself to become a money magnet, yep. if you will. Well, so you were actually, you touched on something, you touched on a couple times now, is, is really one of the phrases I've used in the past. You know, a lot of people say, fake it till you make it. I think that, I don't like that. Um, I think, be it till you become it. I use it all the time, right? thanks to you. And, yeah. and really, is, is you, you owned it. Mm. You took responsibility for your current circles when you started 12 years ago. How old are you now, Derek? I'm 34. You're 34, so you started at 22. Yeah. Oof, how about that for math? Oof. So you started at 22. You probably didn't have any friends at that time that really would have any kind of any kind of wealth. No. Right. So it all started from the inside. It started from the mindset. It started from you from from visualizing it. It started from you from getting around people that were taking the action. From getting out to um, events where people were actually in motion of doing this, hanging mm -hmm. out with, you know, the Thomas Byers of the world, which I'm going to be interviewing Thomas as well awesome. uh, on that. So, so hanging out with people that are raising capital and, yeah. and then you just, it's just reaffirming to you that it can be done. Yes. And you mentioned Thomas Byer, yep. you know, great guy um, early on. You remember he was one of the approved people that could reply online on the yes. online platforms and was very helpful when we had brick wall questions and also I've asked him over the years, you know, what books would you recommend on this or that? And the stuff that he's given me has been invaluable. And I just pass that along to people as well. So shout out to Thomas Beyer for that. So what, so let's just ask a natural question. People going, well, what are those books? Yeah. Like, what, would be yeah. your, what would be your top books that you would recommend Okay, people? so the two best books that Thomas Beyer ever told me about was David Lindahl. He's called The Apartment King mm -hmm. from the US. And he's got two excellent books called Emerging Markets and Multifamily Millions. And that's basically where I learned how to, I learned a lot about a bunch of things, but mainly how to reposition properties and reposition apartment buildings. And we did a deal based on those books in Maple Ridge, actually. We bought an eight unit building. 
with two commercial units and six residential units. It was strata titled, but one owner. We rebranded the building, renamed it. We had all the tenants, commercial and residential, move out. Totally changed the resident profile, the perception of the building in the community, just following those books. Right. Okay, so, so let me ask a question. So you're clear on who your ideal investors are. Um, you put yourself in front of these people, and, and most of them are probably referrals now. Your mm -hmm. network has probably gotten to a position where you're known as the guy to go to. Right. Um, do you do any kind of lead generation or, or, or any kind of, you know, some people want to go, tell me the exact specific steps. It, yeah. Sometimes people don't want to hear, sometimes you have to put in 12 years of work. Right. Right. Sometimes people don't want to hear that, but that's that's true. Yes. But what would you recommend somebody just getting started on some lead generation techniques? Yeah. So, again, it's a little tricky because if you go out really looking for the money, you might find it's fairly elusive. But if you just be it and, you know, I'm, I'm always posting stuff to social media that I'm excited about and I think you know, slowly over time, people get to know me as that and someone with integrity who's not really selling anything. Um, but, you know, where I've gotten them is from uh, my previous employment, from uh, friends of family, um, you know, rain uh, meetups, all these kind of real estate meetups that I go to. I think I've met a lot of cute, cool people who have then referred me to other people. Um, but I'm, I'm not you know, going to dentist conventions to meet mm -hmm. dentists. And I've never really done that intense of, you know, trying to go mailers or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Well, really, you, you um, subscribe to the, the law of keep showing up. Right. Right. The law of don't quit. Right. The law of momentum. You just keep you're just keep active in real estate. Yeah. And, you know, what was the other day you, you posted something on social media of just you know, guys, one of the biggest challenges people find in the lower mainland is finding cash flow. We're yeah. renting these places for this much. We're getting this much cash flow and blah, blah. Yeah. And it just caused a little bit of a storm of people replying yeah. back to it, right? Yeah. So really, all you're doing is just sharing with people. You're not bragging. You're just sharing what you're doing. Yeah, it's definitely not intended to be bragging. You know, some people might see it that way mm -hmm. sometimes. But I posted that just to really open people's paradigm mm -hmm. that there are actually, even now opportunities in the Fraser Valley that you just don't see if you're not looking for them and your financial awareness and your real estate awareness is not on that level. Wow. Real solutions to real problems mm. is really what you provide. And at the end of the day, guys, the big, the more you get down to the fact that you are a solution pr provider, People are looking and craving for a return on their money, mm -hmm. right? For example, you know, I imagine you have conversations with people about their houses and the value of their houses. If somebody, and we're talking the lower mainland of BC right now, if someone's lived in their house for the last 10 years, their, their house is probably doubled or more yes. in value. So there potentially could be people sitting on four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars of equity just sitting in mm -hmm. dead capital on their house. And that has been probably 90% of mm -hmm. the investment capital that we raise is through average people who have equity in their home and want to use it uh, via a secured line of credit. And the cool thing about our model is that every month the property's cash flow will at least cover their monthly interest payment, which is typically always tax deductible as well. Right. Right. So it's a nice strategy because they don't have to come out of their earned income every month to subsidize their interest payment. And I think that is a big reason why people invest in super suites.
Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now. Bye for now.